If you want to grow up big and strong, then buy my Mammal Utter Juice products. They won't actually make you big and strong, but we've been literally saying they'll make your bones stronger for years, and no one's questioned it. Yes, in its runny liquid form, this liquid cow teat spray pairs perfectly with everything from your high fructose flakes of corn to your sugary discs of fat, or just by itself. Mmm. <laughs> So fresh, you can still taste the animal milk sack that we squeezed this out of. Yes, this nutrient-rich ooze was meant for another mammal, but we'll tell you it's good for you by showing you that one athlete you like so much and put a glue that looks like milk on her upper lip. Right, athlete? Do you have this product? Oh, ho, ho, what a slogan! And all those sugary treats wouldn't taste good without my solidified udder fat. That's right. Most baked items, fried items, or generally cooked items use slabs of the fattiest part of the cow goo. Or sometimes you spread it on top of the baked things once they're done. Either way, we make sure that you're always eating it. Or you can have our aged cow titty goop. Depending on how long we let it get moldy changes what kind of fancy block of solid pus it becomes. And if we can't sell enough of it, we'll sneak the excess into your food without you knowing it. In fact, we made it possible for us to sneak it into a ton of food with some fancy politics. How do you think pizza companies made their crust taste better? It's all thanks to us. That's right. Even if you don't think you're buying my goo, you're buying my goo. But you're probably willingly buying my animal squishy glom because we crammed our utter goo agenda into your food pyramid or plate or whatever nonsense picture you subscribe to to tell you how to eat healthy. So you now think that you need this in your diet. Once we've brainwashed you to add my gloopy animal squirts into your diet, we've got you for good because these solidified cow nipple drops are physically addictive. That's right. When we mold our cow breast milk into these solid blocks of melty mush, it creates casomorphins, which is an opiate more addictive than morphine, <laughs> which is good for us, because if you really knew how we treat the cows whose udder drops we steal, you wouldn't buy it. It's horrifying and unhygienic and full of hormones and drugs and literal pus and animal abuse. Or maybe you do know all this, but you're too addicted to my solidified blocks of fresh-squeezed mammal to care. If it makes you feel better to pretend that the milk tastes better when the cows are happier, we'll show you a bunch of cows in the field. But that's unrelated to our actual process. So drink and eat my creamy goo that's shot out of a larger animal's stomach. Cause look, it melts, which is somehow an appealing thing for eating. That's right, numb it up. I'm Roger, by the way, but you can call me the Milkman. We're recording here in Studio 212, part of the Soundcasting Network. We are on South Lake Union, Seattle, Washington. Fucking snowing, man. What the fuck's up with that? Bullshit. This is episode 203 of Grill How Long Steak Mister. 11 and a half minutes out. Thank you for the callback. Mm-hmm. Being mm-hmm. exact, it better be up. If it's 30 seconds over or 30 seconds under, I'm fucking going to have to throw a pan at you. Well, you know, keep up. <laughs> I am Bobby Stills across from me, uh, the new papa. Papa, papa. 
uh, Jahani Reyes. Yes. I'm still getting used to that, man. Me too. Still getting used to that. You Me had too. a white name. Now it's Latino. Afro-Latino. <laughs> uh, next to us, uh, we got Queef Boogie, Risotto God. Uh, what's his other name? The producer who's dropping a deucer? The producer who's <laughs> dropping a deucer. Come on, can we get a shout out? What's up? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's right. Uh, this is season two, episode three. Uh, I guess we're doing bi-weekly now? Uh, we, we're we're going to go wherever it takes us, wherever the road leads. What, you know, Last I'll, week was Halloween, so it was kind of hard because Keith and I both have kids now, so we have to, we have, you know, responsibilities on certain holidays. Did you dress up? I didn't, but my son did. In multiple outfits. Garbage, dude. Multiple. Garbage. Well, we didn't go, we didn't go out trick-or-treating. We went out to, uh, so I live in South Seattle and close to Columbia City. Give <clears> out <throat> your address. Uh, no. And uh, in Columbia City on Halloween, they do a little trick-or-treating for the kids where all the businesses down in that neighborhood will open their doors and hand out candy to all the little kids from like three till six. Um, so I went down there. My stepmom owns a children's store, Retroactive Kids. Shout out. Um, Get out the address. I don't know the address. It's Columbia City. Col- yeah, just in the middle of Columbia City next to La Medusa and Bob's Butchers. Um, oh, shit. I know where both those places are. Yeah, so it was right in the middle. Um, yeah, so I went and helped her hand out some candy for a little bit and check out all the costumes, some pretty good costumes down there. Uh, my guy was a, a baby Superman, uh, but he was a pee in a pod earlier in the day. <laughs> and yeah, so you know how it goes. I, right. I had to I had to deal with that. I was all like, right. record or go spend time with my family. I feel you on that, sir. I feel you on that. How's work going? Work is going um Good. We finally hired somebody to replace the person that is leaving in the next few weeks, which is nice. Um, he was working at the London Plane, uh, which I don't know too it's much closed, about. Right, London Plane's closed, right? Yeah. Uh, um, Matt Dillon. Yes, but uh, he really knew his stuff. He was young, um, really eager. So we're excited to get him in the kitchen and start working. My girl's mom be loving that bread for London Plane. Oh, really? It's really good. I prefer her dad's bread, but that's just me. Oh, okay. Whatever. You have something on your nose. What it's brown. It? Brown cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> you better check the source. Anyway. Straight so what are we talking about today? Um, I don't, dude, I don't know, man. I thought, were we going to ask me about my work? No. I already uh, heard about it earlier. Skip my work, yeah. Robbie always goes on these diatribes about his work. He's like, man, nobody listens to me. I'm the boss, and they don't pay me, but they do. That's not what and I've <laughs> never, I've never said that. In the car, I said they pay me well, and so I put up with shit. Whatever. I cooked for uh, Dahlia Lounge, so if anybody's listening to this show that works for Tom Douglas or Dahlia Lounge and you don't like your food, fucking, yeah, come talk some Jump shit. off a bridge. Kill yourself. No, I shouldn't joke about that. No, you shouldn't. Kill yourself. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, Johnny wanted to talk about, wanted to do a little update about, uh, you wanted to, you wanted to keep talking about John Besh. I don't want to keep talking about John Besh. That's but, your boy. But I just think it's interesting, um, what's coming into light now that he's, you know, has these allegations against him and, you know, finding out how, what type of person he is, I guess you could say. Well, let's hear it, Johnny. Come on. Talk um, about your boy. Well, yeah, so I was, I've was i been keeping up on this whole John Best situation for the past week or two. And uh, just different articles have been popping up every now and then. Some on Eater, some on, you know, um, <clears throat> New York Times and th- different things like that. But basically what's going on is uh, the 
people or persons who have uh, accused him of sexual assault or harassment have basically told their story to newscasters. Um, this is interesting just because you get to see the type of person that this guy actually is when he's out of the spotlight, but doesn't realize that when you're in the spotlight, you are always in the spotlight. So one of his um, employees, I think she was an one of the office workers, um, said that she was out with him and the crew um, for a nightcap or whatever, hanging out, drinking, doing all that stuff, having fun, and he was making some really weird gestures. Um, it all started really light and, you know, lighthearted and fun. Playful, playful. Yeah, playful, you know, like a little snicker here, or maybe a light touch there. But then I guess as the night went on, it got a little bit more, uh, I guess you could say aggressive. So what she said was that he got very close to her, um, pushed her hair behind her ear and told her. Whisper it, Johnny. Your hair looks very pretty when it's pushed <laughs> behind your ear. And when you say something like that and you're drunk, like that's, you're coming off. You know, he was hella close to her ear Oh, yeah. Too, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it looks really good behind your ear. But I guess uh, he continued to press her, even though she was trying to include people in the conversation. She was trying to um, tell him that they should stay there. It's fun and all that other stuff. And he was like, no, let's go back to my room. Let's go back to my hotel room, blah, 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 blah. Uh, eventually she rejected him multiple times and then he stormed off later. She went back to work. I would say maybe the next day or a couple of days later and his business partner ended up letting her go or firing her. Um, and then when she mentioned that she was being fired because she wouldn't have sex with John Besh, he told her that he could do nothing about it and that he was sorry. Should have given them goodies. No, definitely should not have given up them goodies. Um, very good on her to, you know, respect herself enough to know that her body is more important than her job. Yeah, I think that's a bitch move on your boy for getting shut down and then firing somebody. I mean, that's definitely probably a strike to his ego. Well, definitely a strike to his ego. Well, it just goes to show that he's probably been doing this for years and years and years and years and it's worked. Yeah. You know, and and so when somebody shut him down, he got all fucking butthurt and acted like a 10-year-old kid and no. went and told his business partner, like, fucking get rid of her. Exactly. Who knows what he said? No, exactly. He probably said some outlandish shit. Well, but, and then he's also, just to touch up on some things, he's also dropping out of the, his little food and wine dinner that he was doing. All these things that he said that he wasn't going to not that he was not going to drop out of because of this um allegation uh he is now dropping out of because more things are coming to light people are saying like we don't trust you we don't want to promote you we don't want to do this you're who's the next to go down um there's gonna be somebody else here soon you know to be honest, in the restaurant world in the restaurant world uh, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be one Guy of those. Guy Fieri, dude. <laughs> Come on, man. Aron Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's going to be a guy from like one of these areas where it's obvious that sexual harassment and just, you know, male dominance is prevalent in the community. Um, you I know, mean, I hate to shit on the South. So that's all oh my God. I was just going to say yeah. that. I was going to say something's going to come up out of the South and, and nobody in the South is going to give a fuck. It's probably going to make their sales go up. Yeah. More. And so it, it is what it is. But, you know, it's just something good to keep an eye on because there's just a couple instances like, you know, this week when uh, uh, Chef... 
what's it called? Chef's Table or Chef's uh, Circle, yeah. the Facebook group that we follow. Um, they posted a picture of somebody saying that their restaurant was oh, closed shit. Yeah. because their chef couldn't keep his dick in his pants and they couldn't keep any workers. And then there was just this huge thread of just all these dudes <laughs> Johnny just going coming. to fucking town. Yeah, Johnny, like, so yeah, somebody posted a, um, a picture of a, a sign on a restaurant door that said, you know, our, what did it say? It said that they couldn't keep their doors open anymore because their restaurant employees didn't want to work there because their and chef was their trying chef to have sex with everybody. And their chef couldn't keep their dick in their pants. And Johnny was pretty much one of the only people who was like, this is not funny. I don't know why I was making all yeah, these Yeah, there were like hundreds but of comments. But it was like hundreds of comments about like, oh, tagging people like, oh, I remember when you did that, you know, you whipped your dick out online and oh, this, why, you know, like my chef does the same thing. Why can't you keep your doors open? And it's just like, it's one of those things that goes to show is like, Nobody in the fucking kitchen industry cares. Yeah, and that's the issue is that it. But that's. I'm also gonna say those are shitty kitchens. No, yeah, they probably are. You know what I'm saying? They're cooking. They're they're fucking. Their best chef is Chef Mike. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Three minutes on high. You know what I'm saying? Get the fuck out of here. Come in my kitchen and do that shit, man. I will throw hot oil on you. Oh yeah, I I shut people down all day. I don't know. See, like, I'm at work, man. I've been touching my bartenders inappropriately, the, you know, when I walk behind the bar or whatever, and I keep having to tell myself, like, is is it appropriate? It's not appropriate. I mean, we're all homies and shit like that, but when I, I gently rub my hands across their, like, I think it's solid pectorals, you know, it feels good to them and me. Well, I feel, I don't think that it's whether it's not it's not about whether or not you are friends with the person. I think it's about the atmosphere that you're creating. Yes, while doing exactly. That. Um, you are correct. And Johnny. you're showing other people that like, it's okay to do that. And they might do that to the same person. And that person might be like, who the fuck are you? Don't be touching me. Let's square up outside, you know, square uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fuck? Nah, dude, you want to fight? <laughs> it's like, you want to go outside, catch these hands, catch this fade. You know how it goes in the streets. Um, you know, all this stuff. I but, don't know how it goes in the streets, Johnny. Please explain to me. Um, well, sometimes people are like, you want to catch this fade, and that means you're about to get faded out. <laughs> Would you like to catch this fade? <laughs> Hold anyway, this for me. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just like, this is a situation that's definitely prevalent in our kitchens and in this whole culinary environment, um, all the way up to culinary school and all that stuff. Um, and we need to just be aware and just, you know, support our are people in the kitchen, whether or not they are male, female, trans, whatever's going on. Um, you know, we just gotta be responsible. Word up. Well, my hope for this whole case that the entire restaurant group, uh, I feel bad for the people that work for the company because I hope that the entire restaurant group goes out of business. Yeah. Nobody supports them. And I hope all the investors lose a lot of money because I'm sure that they knew about this shit. So we're going to move on from one shitty restaurant owner to another I shitty know, restaurant it's just like, owner. It's just crazy because it's like it goes to show that all the that restaurant owners can be so shady. It's all about that money, dude. It is. All about that money. Well, so, uh, another update, uh, Danny Meyer, who we kind of praised uh, mm -hmm. about a year ago, uh, was at the forefront of the no tipping policy. He wanted to move to a European style of tipping to where everybody in the restaurant industry, uh, front of the house, back of the house, makes a living wage. You don't have to rely on begging people for, oh, please, sir, tip me, tip me two extra dollars, whatever it is. Um, it's this coming straight from Newsweek. Um I don't know how to go about this. Let's see. I'll just read the beginning of the article, then we'll talk about it. So it says, some of America, this is some shady shit. Uh, I was actually, my mouth dropped reading this. And I, I'm trying to figure out how much of it's true and who's being implicated. Uh, the suit, a uh, lot of the 
information about the class action lawsuit hasn't been made public, but um, yeah. So some of America's elite restaurant owners secretly colluded to steal millions of dollars from customers and wait staff in order to pad their own pockets while hiding behind a seemingly egalitarian no tipping policy. Um, so the new lawsuit alleges that the class action lawsuit takes aim at the no tipping movement pioneered by the Union Square Hospitality Group, uh, Danny Meyer and claims that it was part of a conspiracy to charge diners more for their food. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So basically what happened is, is uh, we talked about it, if you follow the show or if you're in the industry, um, you know that some of these people in New York and LA have been trying to move to a um, no tipping policy. In Seattle, they've done it too. Tom Douglas Restaurants, Ethan Stoll, I think just moved there, right? Mm -hmm. To that. Uh, Marcus Charles, which is Belltown, was it Belltown Restaurant Group? Yeah. I think they moved to it too. I enjoy it. I like it. Why not? Uh, well, because I think that it puts, it creates friction between not even the front of house and the back of house. It creates friction. I'm talking about as a diner. As a diner, I mean, I guess you could. I guess it's it's a benefit, but at the same time, I it's don't have not to guess. They gave me my bill. This is how much I owe. Yeah, but it's like the same time. Like there's opportunities to tip more on sometimes, and you can't accept any any extra cash. And the issue that happens is, is like when you do get that tip pool or that you know the the no tipping policy where they create this pool where they distribute it how they feel like they distribute it between the kitchen and the front of house. You know how they see fit. And the issue that I see with this is that there's certain situations, and this is coming from a cook standpoint, that people get left out. So when I was working, so we have a Tuesday prep shift at our at our job. Um, Tuesday, we're not open, but you're prepping most of the menu for the week to come so that people don't have to you know, worry about big things, you know, gumbo, collard greens, those sorts of things. Um, it sucks because you don't get tipped for that day. You get a limited amount of tips for working a prep shift on a service day. The only way that you actually make money off of this no tipping policy in the kitchen is if you're working the line at night. And that's the only way. Like I work lunch and I don't get tipped out as much because it goes by how much you make in sales for that service and then that gets divided by the amount of people. Well, this is what, but this is why this story is fucked is because supposedly he was not going to try to raise his prices. He was going to go to a no tipping policy. He was going to go into, you know, raise his, raise the value, the amount of his food 10%, I think. But with that 10%, he was going to be able to pay people more in the kitchen. So he says. So he says. And basically what he did is he stole that, took that money. Let me, hold on. Let me, let me, let me finish this up. So according to this suit, um, uh, Meyer, he was having secret meetings uh, with other high-end restaurant owners, and uh, he was <laughs> he was going to meet up with David Chang, uh, uh, Tom Coluccia, uh, Daniel Hum from 11, 11 Madison Park, uh, Gabriel Stuhlman, and uh, Timothy Brown. Uh, and I don't believe David Chang is part of this situation. <laughs> Why? I don't believe it. <laughs> Why? Because that guy's all about the people. Like his food is strictly for the people. <laughs> Like, he's, you know what I'm saying, though? Has he been for the people for a long time? I mean, how many restaurants do you think David Chang actually cooks in nowadays? I mean, probably not many, but at the same time, he is 
he is all about the food culture and he's all about the food culture, but he's about that money too. I mean, so. he is all, all about that money too. And he is kind of like a, a hissy fit thrower. It seems like with the whole lucky peach situation and stuff like that, he's very opinionated. Oh yeah. But at the same time, I just feel like he has so many different ventures right now. He does so many things out in the world that he doesn't need to participate in this. Well, the problem is that Danny Meyer, he claimed that the meals at his restaurants were going to cost exactly the same as they did before when he ended his tipping. Yeah. Uh, but the prices went up uh, you know, tons. Um, so the meals at 11 Madison Park, uh, they went up, cost 31% more than before. Um, at the Meyer, it was about 25% higher. Um, and then with that, um, he tried to assure employ employees that their wages would be equal or greater than when they made tips. Mm -hmm. So whatever you're losing in the tips, he's going to make it up for your wages. Yeah. But uh, plenty of servers claim that they had made they make a hundred percent less per week uh, without the tips. And then uh, one of his other uh, one of his other cooks said that his salary went down by ten thousand dollars. Yeah. See, well, the thing is that sounds weird to me is that they're saying that this restaurant went up thirty percent. This restaurant went twenty four point nine. The prices on, on paper. Yeah, the prices on paper. But the thing is, is if you're going to a no tipping policy, then you're automatically going to go up 20% because you're paying for the 20%. It's a 20% fucking autogratuity. He didn't do autograd. He just, he raised the price. He said he was raising the prices on his menu, but he said he only by 10%. So he wasn't doing, he wasn't doing like Tom Douglas did. He didn't add a 20% autograd. There was no tipping involved. Just a zero tip. Zero tip. 10% more. So how was he? Okay, so he went to a zero taping policy and decided that instead of adding a 20% auto gratuity so people automatically have to pay He would raise the prices by all his food across the board across the by board, 10%. By 10%. But then he ended up raising it by more. But yeah. Okay. But then but then people saw that they, they didn't get raises. Yeah. They were losing money. So then the people stepped in and they filed a class action lawsuit against the Union Square Hospitality Group. Um... So let's read their statement real quick. So the Union Square Hospitality Group said in their statement uh, that they'd be using the profits that they made to create a clear and transparent growth path for our people while beginning to address the decades long growth of inequity among restaurant professionals. So Newsweek tried to reach out to um, a lot of people named in the suit um, in these secret meetings and nobody has gotten back to them yet. Hmm. So we'll see how this uh, works out. I'm sure they're probably going to lose because uh, the hospitality group of Union Square probably has high powered lawyers. And uh, I guess they can do whatever the fuck they want. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's their restaurant. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's their restaurant, their rules. But the thing is, is like in the end of the day, you're going to get caught for whatever shadiness you're doing. You can only be in the shade for so long. That sunlight going to hit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, But it just, it just sucks. It's a very shitty situation. And also, as I was telling you earlier, it makes it unfortunate because it makes you not want to support these people when you go out to these cities. So like if I were to go to New York, like I plan on going to New York soon, I wanted to go eat at Grand Marcy Tavern or eat at 11 Madison Park, you know, and have the, one of those really nice meals that you don't get to have when you're, you know, back at home dealing with your family and stuff. You'd like still that. go eat there? I mean, no, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I won't go eat there now. You, I wanted to. And now seeing all of this, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to support him. Well, that's the problem though. I mean, the shady shit's going on all across the board. Yeah. You know, it's hard to find a good 
owner that really understands what it's like being in the back of the house and how hard it is, especially if you have a family, you know, how much time and effort you put in to the food. But the thing is, is a lot of these people have families. Who? A lot of these chefs have families. A lot of these chefs have wives and kids, and then they go sleep. Around. And you know, I'm, I'm, but I'm thinking in their mind frame, they're like, "Well, fuck it." You know, I worked hard. I put in the time. I put in the effort. You know, I yeah, got but in myself, 1980, like, <laughs> you know, well, what I'm saying, I got myself out of there. You know, now it's time for me to get paid. Yeah, but they, we're saying? not living in that time. It's 2017, man. We got snowflakes on this bitch. Snowflakes. I don't know. Yeah, what's up with the weather in Seattle? Speaking of snowflakes. <laughs> Speaking of snowflakes. I still have snow in my house right now. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just it just sucks because it's like you don't want to support these people. And that's what makes it really shitty because you will be missing out on an experience, a food experience because. Yeah, just because they're shitty people. Standards. Just because they're shitty people doesn't make they mean they don't make crack food. Yeah, exactly. But then at the same time, like I've had people who said that they ate at Gramercy Tavern and stuff like that. And they were like, you're really not paying for the food. You're paying for the aesthetic. And it's like cannabis, man. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you paid because you get a suede gift card when, you know, when you purchase a gift card that comes in a box or some shit like that. Or your napkin is folded a certain way and some shit like that. Same way with liquor, man. I yeah. mean, top shelf liquor. Some of that liquor sucks, but the bottle looks amazing. That kettle one? <laughs> Johnny, how long in that grow? Um, I'm going to rest, so I'll be about five out. Did say breast? Yes, I'm going to breast. How, how long in that chicken breast? Um, temping. It's about at 145, so I think I'm going to go for a little bit longer. What do you pull your chicken out at? I pull, it depends. Uh, if, if I'm going to recook it, I'll probably pull it out at 135. Let that rise to 145 and then go back in. I pull mine out, I pull mine out at 150 and just let it sit there. Yeah. I mean, if it's just that first time cook, about 150, 155. Let it rise. I was yelling at somebody the other day and I was like, you pull your shit out at 165? What is wrong with you, dude? <laughs> it's, about to be one, it's about to be 180. Yeah, right? Your shit's already dry. <laughs> all right. Uh, so we wanted to move to fuck all this, uh, you know, garbage nonsense about these odors and stuff like that. Let's get let's get to some positive shit going some on. Some positivity? In, in the United States, you yeah. know. All right. Well, um, today I was on social media searching for random stuff to talk about today and whatnot. And something really interesting came up. Um, it came from charterforcompassion.org. And it is talking about these things that are taking over the country right now, I guess you could say. 12 states have started to do it. Um, but they're called agrihoods. And um, I, when I was talking to Robbie about it in the car earlier today, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like putting a farm in the middle of the hood. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, it's like bringing fresh fruit and vegetables well, to the community. Well, my point with that was is that, you know, I don't, I don't even I'm not saying that you're wrong. I was no, like, no, no, I thought no, no, the same thing. No, no, and. This is what I wanted to talk about, but we're we're going off a different path. Was that you know a lot of non, a lot of urban areas um, don't have access to fresh food. They're called food deserts, and yeah, and they um, a lot of them are on uh, SNAP, which is uh, what does SNAP stand for? It's an EBT card. Oh, I don't know. Um, they can't. They can't. They can't travel to these farmers markets and and buy fresh produce and stuff like that. Because a lot of them don't take EBT in Seattle. They've started doing it, but you can't go to a grocery that you know. There's no grocery stores that are in that area that have fresh produce. So they buy crap food. 
Um, and Generally, that, just fast food. Yeah, and that's all. And that's all they have around them. So I thought Johnny was talking about uh, uh, farms, farms in the hood. No, actually, I thought I, that's what it was talking about too. But uh, I guess it's a completely different um, situation. So basically, what these agrihoods are are like. Um, <clears throat> What are, what are, what is it called when you live in a cul-de-sac? One of those communities. It's like a gated community. Yeah, it's kind of like so a gated it's, community. So it's it's a laid out it's a it's a laid out housing development. Yeah, there we go. They, yeah, yeah. And it's a housing development that has a farm just in the middle of it. So they it. build around it. Yeah, and basically what happens is people um, will work on these farms and you know plant a little bit of this, plant a little bit of that, and they'll be able to trade or you know kind of just help support the ecosystem that's going on there. So like people can always have fresh vegetables and fresh food to use for dinner or whatever's going on um, in their lives. I think that this is really cool. Some of the states that have started using it are Arizona, Illinois, Atlanta has one. Um, Detroit has one, which is super interesting. Idaho, it's moving It's moving all around what, the country. What, make, what makes this different than anything else that I've really seen going on is that, you know, you, you have your community gardens and you have like rooftop urban agriculture where, you know, they plant a garden in, in an alleyway or whatever like that. Uh, there's also co-housing communities, old people, um, where they have rooftop gardens, you know? Yeah. But what's different about this, which I think is amazing, is that they're actually designing the neighborhood around the garden. Yeah, and these are like a few acres of farm. This yeah. isn't just like a little huge, plot. Huge urban development. Now, we don't have the space for this here in Seattle. People fight over our community gar gardens mm -hmm. here in Seattle. So it takes years and years that you're on a list. So I think this is something that's really, really cool. Um, I think the only one that I saw in Washington is in, what, Skokomish? Snowcomish snow or? No, Skokomish. Skokomish? Skokomish. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Skokomish Farms. Um, yeah, what does it say? Skokomish Farms, an environmental, environmental community built on a former hay farm in the Puget Sound area of Washington State. The community consists of 18 parcels, each of which is divided into five-acre home sites with the remaining 35 acres cultivated under perpetual conservation farm easement. Agriculture activities are managed by a democratically elected farm manager. You'll enjoy an abundant, healthy, organic, and natural produce year-round. We plan to cross-pasteurize grass-fed livestock and raise field crops. In the winter, some crops will be grown in greenhouses, explains their website. Yeah, well. Sounds bougie as fuck. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, <laughs> I was, when I thought about it, I was like, this is going to create a culture of people who don't stray outside of their community whatsoever. They're going to be that's like right. almost antisocial at, right. at, at a certain point. And it's, I almost feel like it's going to create like, should we separate from You know the who's state? been doing this for years and years and years? The Amish. You know what I'm and, and you see the only way you can the Hoderites. Yeah, the only way that you can catch those guys are on a TLC special, you know? <laughs> Breaking Amish or some shit like that. <laughs> this is real talk, Doug. <laughs> the Hoderites. Uh yeah, Mormons, all that stuff. They've been doing this for years. Um it's self-sustainable. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, it's a great thing to but do. But then when does it be not saying that the Amish are a cult, but when does it become like, you know, cultesque? Motherfucker, that's so fucking far off, though, man. Like, you're gonna have rich yuppies who build this shit and get all their <laughs> produce from these little agrihoods, and then if 
if it's lucky, the, the, the operation will get cheap and simple enough that people who can't have access to the stuff are going to have more access to it. I would hope so. But it always starts off as fucking only rich people can undo it. But it also seems like they're getting set up for these like, like all right, the apocalypse is coming. Zombie apocalypse, dude. All right, we got to build these hoods <laughs> so that we can get this food rolling. I mean, it's a great idea. I wish that I could be a part of a community like that. I just know that I'd be surrounded by white people and I'd be upset. <laughs> What's wrong with white people? White people are great. You know, there's nothing wrong with white people, but, you know, being a minority, your you don't want to. Your baby's half white. I know. You know that, and he's right? beautiful. But you don't want to be surrounded by, you know, people who look different than you all the time. It's not fun. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, you wouldn't know about that because, you know, every, almost everybody looks just like you, Robbie. I look special, man. Fat and white. <laughs> Come across this motherfucking table. Wait, uh, fire! I think it's. I think it's a great. I think it's a great concept. Um, I'd like to visit one of these. Um, I would like. Yeah, let's go. Let's make. Let's plan a field trip. Let's do a field trip. Mm-hmm. Let's. Let me try to get in contact with. Um, with the the. The farm manager, yeah. they said, and see if we can come out there and check him out and talk about what he's doing. We I'm can, sure Washington's far ahead of all these other busters. And we can have other. your lady drive us, and we can go get snacks and stuff. Right? My my lady knows all about the farms. <laughs> I love her. Welcome back, babe. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's going to be the end of our show. We're at 30 minutes. A uh, nice, short, sweet show. So we're moving on to our ingredient of the week. <laughs> Johnny, tell them what we've got. Lemon. Yeah, I can't. Any we've, kind of lemon. I can't. We've done uh, Meyer lemon. Yeah, we can do Meyer so lemon. Danny Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Meyer lemon. Uh, Keith, do you want to get on on the lemon lemon recipe? Yeah, get up on the lemon. Oh shit! Oh shit! You drive a lemon. <laughs> hey man, I got a car and it fits everything. Rolling on them, it. rolling on them fifteens, but he keeps them clean. <laughs> Keep them clean though. All right, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Paper, scissors, rock for it. Ready? One, two, three. Mm. Uh, you go first. All right, all right, all right. Johnny yes. lost, so I let him go first. No, I won. <laughs> Cut that paper up. <laughs> um, anyway, so I'm just going to do candied lemon rind. It's kind of a fun thing to do um, as a garnish thing for different desserts. You know, let's say you make a, 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 lemon, a lemon meringue pie. Or something like that. Put some lemon rinds on there. Anyway, so what you're going to do is you're going to peel your lemons. Um, You can get as many lemons as you want. It all depends on how you like to use lemons or if you don't like to use lemons or what you're doing. Um, I would grab like six lemons, I would say. That'd be a good amount to do just a very average amount of candy lemon. What you're going to do is you're going to peel the lemon. And you're going to want to peel it um, so it has a little bit of pith, but not a, a ton of pith. Like, it doesn't need to be perfect when you peel it. It doesn't need to be just straight yellow. It can have a little bit of white. I like how you say pith. Pith. Anyway, what you're going to do with that is you're going to cut it in your desired shape that you'd like. Um, some people do strips. Uh, at the restaurant I work at, we do diamonds just because we like the aesthetic of the diamonds. Um, it takes a lot longer, but you know, it is what it is. Um, what you're gonna do is you're going to get a pot of boiling water um, and you're going to what I like to call purge, um, but blanch, you're gonna blanch the lemon rinds. You're gonna do this three times. You're gonna blanch, you're gonna bring it up in the water and strain it. You're gonna put new water it, bring it up again, strain it. Do that one more time, strain it. That fourth time 
It's different. You're going to create a simple syrup. So one Bam. part sugar, one part water. It all depends on how much you have. It could be uh, two cups of sugar to two cups of water, one cup of sugar, one cup of water. Doesn't matter. You just have to be equal. You're going to emulsify that by heating it up. Um, and then you'll drop your lemon rinds in there and you'll bring that up to a boil. Um, this is the process. This is the time where you kind of just slow down and wait until your lemon rinds get nice and nice and soft. You gotta soft. watch it. Yeah, you gotta watch it very closely. Um, maybe try one or two every now and then just to make sure that they are um, getting to that consistency. Let it then. cool off, don't burn your tongue. Yeah, don't burn I've your done tongue. that before, you're like <laughs> hot candy. Um, what you're gonna do after that is you're going to pull those out and just put them on a silt pad or just you know kind of some place for them to kind of cool off and dry off. Um, wax paper. Wax paper, something, yeah, that's easily peeled. You don't want to have it sticking <laughs> to shit. It's going to break. <laughs> um, after you get that all nice and cool, you're going to toss it in some sugar and you're good to go on baking it or not. Another thing that I like to do with that same process, but before you coat it in sugar, is um, you can put it in a blender with a little bit of olive oil, some of that simple syrup and fresh lemon juice and create a nice uh, vinaigrette with it and it'll be like a candy lemon vinaigrette. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, uh, but that's my uh, recipe. Recipe, Keith, you want to go? Yeah, man. I'm just gonna make a really, really simple strawberry lemonade, man. Ooh, um, ooh. Get yourself a bunch of fresh lemons, juice them. You're gonna do about uh, seven cups of water to uh, one cup of lemon juice. Make yourself a little simple syrup of one cup of water, one cup of sugar. Uh, stir that sugar into the water as it boils until it's a nice little syrup uh, and just add it to the water and the lemonade to taste. Um, you can also like get some strawberries and throw them bitches in there for some strawberries. A couple mints, man. Mints work. Basil is always nice. A couple mints. Um, yeah, it's tasty shit, man. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to do a lemon garlic cream sauce. Uh, you can do this over any kind of protein, pasta. It's great with pasta. Uh, so basically what you're going to need is you're going to need two cups of whole cream. Don't use no half and half, none of that bullshit. You're going to need like a half a, half a teaspoon of salt. You're going to need the zest of one lemon. Uh, so you can use like a fine grater or a, what do we call those, Johnny? A microplane? Uh Microplane. Microplane. Uh, so you want to zest an entire lemon, put that off the side, and then you're going to juice that lemon. Uh, you're going to want two whole um, cloves of garlic, uh, finely minced. I would use about a half a shallot, too, uh, finely minced. And then you're going to want about a... Um, Probably three quarters of a cup of Parmesan. If you want it really cheesy, uh, do a whole cup of Parmesan, uh, finely grated. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna take a heavy, uh, I don't know, a heavy skillet. Um, uh, you're gonna heat your cream up um, until it's almost to, oh, no, 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 no. Let me rewind that. Um, you're going to take some olive oil, uh, light olive oil. You're gonna throw your garlic and your shallot in that pan. You're gonna brown it up, and then you're gonna pour in your cream. You're gonna bring your cream up to a slight boil. You're gonna add your zest and your juice of your lemon. Uh, it's gonna start to thicken. You wanna turn your heat down to low. Um, then add your salt. Keep stirring for about one to two minutes, and add in your cheese, and then just turn it off, and uh, your cheese should start to emulsify with your cream and there you go you can put it on on top of anything it's a really simple um sauce so there you go 
That is the end of episode 203. I want to thank the Soundcasting Network for um, hosting our show. I want to thank Studio 212 for allowing us to record here. I want to thank Keith for uh, continuing to stick with us uh, while Johnny's out here making babies and I'm out here... uh, Falling off buildings. (laughs) Falling. uh, Yeah, sure. Whatever. No, I've been... Man, I'm just... I'm... Dude... Being in that kitchen and like running a kitchen is just oh my god! I haven't done it in so long, and uh, I know why I haven't done it in a long time. Cause it sucks. Yeah, but it's fun. I get to cook whatever I want, man. I'm about to like I yeah. I mean, I got I cooked for a private party the other day, and uh, I got to cook whatever I wanted. It was a lot of fun. Johnny, you want to say anything before we go? That I miss you guys, and. Um that I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> all right. um, you can visit us on all our social medias. Uh, Facebook's going to be Grow How Long Sick Mister. Instagram's going to be at Grow How Long Sick Mister. Uh, Twitter's going to be at How Long Steak Mister. You can email us at GrillHowLongSteakMister at gmail.com. Tob- Tobias, I will be getting a hold of you this week, I promise you. We're going to try to see if we can bring you in next week to test out that burger. You want to try that? That bleeding, bleeding veggie burger? Yeah, why not? Whatever. <laughs> don't, don't sound too excited. I'm right? not. I'm not. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram at Bobby Stills. Johnny? Uh, Ray Schmerder? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Johnny Tsunami. Johnny just learned about Ray Schmerder. Yeah, I just realized that the, their, their name was Schmerder. I was like, oh, it's Schmerder. Ray Schmerder. Nah, it's drummer's ear spelled Yeah, right. that's if Robbie already told me that, Keith. Get with the fucking program. Why do we have to tell you this? <laughs> because uh, I just started listening to them because I was like, this is trash music. You lost it, two Afro-Latino points today. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> Keith shouldn't even be listening to that shit. All right. Um, yeah, uh, email us, you guys. I want to thank everybody for listening. We're getting back on top of our shit, so... Um, Yeah. Queef Boogie, got anything to say? Send us money. (laughs) Peace out. Grill, how long steak, mister? Five minutes out. Eat a dick, bitch.